0: Uh, Good morning. morning. Grab your Bibles and turn to Acts 17. Acts 17. If you flip to New Testament, you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then Acts. If you got to Romans, you got too far. As you get there, um, I want to share a story. A couple years ago. Uh, probably two to three years ago, we were living in an apartment in Loveland. And our apartment had this little patio, little, you know, just a place, a porch where you could sit. It was like tuck away. Nobody could really see us. And right above us was, a, was we had two lakes, those two trails that people would walk on, walk their dog, they would run. And uh, on Saturday mornings, I would often sit there and just watch people do what they do. You know, if they're running, just run by me. If they're walking a dog, whatever, right? And so, this particular day, uh, there was two couples walking, and uh, as they're walking, they, uh, they had big hats, really big hats on, and they were a little bit older, and they were bringing carrying uh, binoculars, and so, automatically you know they're probably watching birds, right? So you're like, oh, bird watchers, cool. And so as I'm watching that as I'm folding that, I'm like, oh, that's really sweet. Two couples walking down the path and they stop right in front of me and then I notice something going on where they kind of look back, they look that way and they see that, um, they look that way and they see, I see a lady, a woman running towards them And she also has a hat on, and she has binoculars, but she threw them over, and she's like kind of running towards them. Binoculars are swinging, and uh, as she's running towards them, I'm like, what is going on? She doesn't look quite dressed like they are. She looks like she's wearing pajamas or something she wore to sleep the night before. So I'm like, what is? This is weird. And so she's like appears and they stop right in front of my apartment. So I'm like observing this. I'm like, this is awesome. This is like a scene from a movie I get to witness. And the the kind of the sound of it was coming down and I could hear the sound really well. So it's like, oh man, I can hear their conversation, right? And so I'm like just watching this. They have no clue I'm watching this. And uh, as they're talking, this lady now, she's out of breath. She's, she's kind of going, hi, hi. Um, I was sitting in my on my, in, on my porch, and I saw you guys walking by, and I noticed that you are bird watchers. And so I grabbed my gear, and I want to join you. And I'm just like, wow, that's, that's bold. That's cool. Um, and this two older couples just kind of said, oh, that's awesome. Come. And, and so, you know, in the matter of seconds, they just started walking and looking at some birds or something, right? But I was just fascinated. I was fascinated by this lady who was sitting on her porch, who saw some people who looked like what, whatever she liked to do, and she wanted to run and engage them. She wanted to to see them and see what's going on, and she did. Um, she didn't care that they didn't that, that they each other didn't know each other, right? Like she didn't go, "Ah, oh, man," like. I, where's my husband? I guess I have to get him to come. No, like she didn't care about any of the details. She just went and, and engaged them. She engaged the bird-watching culture, in a sense, right? And so we're talking today about engaging the culture... And, um, and I said this last week, and I'll keep saying this, that we can't talk about engage the culture or uh, seek to make disciples of Jesus or love others or worship God in communion. All of those things are our mission statement. We can't talk about any of our mission statement without talking about our vision. Because our vision is the heartbeat about from, from what, what we do everything in our church. And so what is our vision? Our vision is see gospel transform everything. It's the, the gospel is the good news that comes to us in the midst of bad news. It's a declaration about us that's outside of our effort. It's a declaration that we are righteous because of Jesus, what Jesus accomplished on the cross. And that declaration changes everything. That declaration changes everything. It changes how you live your life. It changes how you interact with others. It changes your emotions, your thoughts, all your relationships, all your actions, All of you is being affected by the gospel. And I know you have heard this week in and week out, especially in the past four weeks, right, as we've been in our vision and mission. You heard it. We talked through the gospel again and again. And And I want you to hear it again because that is our heartbeat for our church. That's what we lean into as a church. Everything that we do is going to come from this. Because we believe that the gospel is transforming everything. The gospel is transforming everything. And the gospel transforms everything as we, and that's, that's our mission statement, right? As we worship God in community, as we love others, as we engage the culture, as we seek to make disciples of Jesus, who make disciples of Jesus, right? And so, as we dive in, into what, uh, what is, this week we'll dive into what does it mean for us As a church, for us to engage the culture, most of us are not bird watchers, right? Most of us are not bird, even though maybe that's a sweet hobby and you could pick it up. Uh, I can tell you about the lake that's in Loveland. It's a great little lake, lots of birds. Uh, But if you're not, most of us are not bird watchers, right? But we are people of God saved by grace through faith and transformed by the gospel. And that ignites in us a passion to engage others, to engage others and potentially share our faith with them, right? When the gospel transforms us, we engage the culture or we engage the others from a place of redemption and renewal. So uh, you ask 17 was behind me for a little while. We're going to stand as a church and we're going to read this and study this text in light of what does it mean for us to engage the culture. So if you're able, please stand as we read this lengthy passage. So Acts 17 starting verse 22. So Paul, standing in the midst of said men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. For as I passed along and observed the objects of the worship, I found also an altar with this inscription to an unknown God, what therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you the God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by men, nor has he served by human hands. He needed anything. Says, he himself means all mankind, life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined a lot of periods of the boundaries of dwelling place. and They should seek God, perhaps feel their way towards him, find him. Yet he's actually not far from each one of us. For in Him we live and move and have our being, as even some of our own poets have said, for we are indeed His offering. Being we ought not to think the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, or in each form of art and imagination of man. The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now He commands all people everywhere to repent, Because he has fixed the day on which he will judge the world, righteousness, by a man whom he appointed. And this is given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. This is the word of God. You can have a seat. I just love hearing us read God's word together. There's something sweet about it. I just, that's just a joy for me. So I know sometimes the lengthy passage, and, uh, and so sometimes we're like, oh, how do we read it together? But I just love it. I think it's a sweet, sweet practice that we do. So uh, let me just jump in. So in Acts 17, Paul is waiting for a couple of his friends to come to Athens. And as he is waiting, as he is sitting there waiting, he's observing the city. He's studying the city and he learns things about their customs, they learn about their philosophy, they learn about their religion. And so by the time we get to verse 22, by the time we get to what Paul is addressing the people, right? Paul ha- has been walking around the city, he's been reading inscriptions in and, and places of the city, and so by the time he speaks, he understands the people that live there. And so he says in verse 22, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. And so the statement that he starts off is a very neutral statement. It's a, As I perceive in every way that you're very religious. That's not a critical statement. It's not, he's not criticizing anything, nor is he affirming. He's basically giving them a statement of observation, a truth statement. It's like someone tells you this he says man kids they sure do look like you and it doesn't matter if you're good looking or bad looking or (laughs) ugly right like they just look like you it's a true statement it's like man your kids just look like you and so they're just speaking the truth so that's what paul is doing here he's he's setting it up and he says man like it's just observation truth statement to us and then in verse 23 says he says for i for as i passed along And observe the object of your worship. I found also an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. Again, as Paul's waiting for his friends in the city, uh, he's waiting for his friends to arrive. He was studying the culture around him. He was studying what people like and dislike. He was studying what they believe, their philosophies. And he knew the inscription on things. And a few verses later, he even quotes one of the religious poets. Right? He, 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 to know the religious poet of that time, that means he went and studied or heard about him. He, he examined that script or whatever, right? And so I wanted to be cool, and I wanted to go and study uh, our music industry, and I wanted to study the top 40 recently, or this week, and to see what songs are like right now. And uh, I discovered that I don't know any of them. So that was really sad. Uh, I was like, man, I, I thought I was kind of in on the culture a little bit, and I was not. Uh, I was like, top 20, none of the songs I knew, like, right? Um, I didn't know any of them, so I'm not going to be able to give you any Nicki Minaj or Drake for you, and I'm not going to bust out Kiki Do You Love Me, right? Like, I'm just not going to do that. Like, that's just not going to be me tonight, today. Uh, but I will tell you that these top 20, these songs that people are listening to are songs that are influence, influencing people around us. And the reason they're top 20 or top 40 or top 100 is because these are the songs that people have listened to a lot. They listen to them so much that they are now in the top 20 songs, right? And, and, and second, we'll talk about We'll talk about uh, what to do with that as Christians. We'll talk about, like, how, how do we address that as people who've been saved by the grace of God. So, coming back to Paul. Paul knew the city. He knew the culture. He knew the art and the literature and the ideas that were shaping people, right? And then he proclaimed the gospel when the time was right. Why? Why did he proclaim the gospel? Well, because Jesus was infused into everything about Paul. He infused into everything about Paul. If you know his story, if you know Paul's story even a little bit, you know he was going after Christians and he wanted to kill them. And then in the midst of that, Jesus transforms him. He transforms Paul. The good news of Jesus had transformed Paul from the person dead in sin and believe to a person alive in christ filled with the spirit and paul wants others to hear that paul wants others to hear that he's sharing not out of duty but out of love jesus is jesus loved paul when he was a sinner running after christians and wanted to kill them and so he wants to share the love that saved him with others That's why he's proclaiming this. That's why he's studying things in the city is because this love has transformed him. And now because he's transformed by that love, he wants others to hear that love too. And so as he shares, and then in verse 34, if you look at our passage, we didn't read this. But God uses him to engage the culture for the purpose of saving and transforming people. But that was not guaranteed, right? That was not guaranteed. Paul's role was to share. Paul's role to share. And Jesus in his love is the one who saves people to himself. And we see that in, in that passage, right? So the question that I have for us now is that, is that so what, is, what does it mean for us to engage the culture. We saw, yeah, that's great that Paul was in Athens and that's how he engaged Athens, but but what does it mean for us to engage the culture? Well, to engage the culture is just a fancy way to say, be a missionary, be a local missionary. Like Paul, God has placed you in this city for a reason. He placed you here in Greeley for a reason You are at your job for a reason. If you are a student, there's a reason for the people who are in your classroom or in your project group. There's a reason for that. You live in your neighborhood for a reason. The people who are in your life, they're there for a reason. And that reason is for you to love them the same way Christ has loved you when you were rebelling against Him. And eventually, God may use you to proclaim the message of reconciliation to them. But that's eventually, right? You don't just slap them with it. No, you you just love them. You love them well. And in 2 Corinthians 5, 18-20, Paul says, All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Let me read that again. And entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. God doesn't make a mistake where he placed you. Like, because you're in Greeley, that's not a mistake. The job that you have is not a mistake. In fact, God makes his appeal through us because we are his ambassador exactly where we are. He has entrusted us with a message of reconciliation. As an ambassador of Christ, we are representing Christ to the culture around us. So if you work, you're an ambassador of Christ at your work. If you stay at home, you're an ambassador of Christ in your home. If you go to a coffee shop, that means you're an ambassador of Christ there. If, you do, if you're doing yard work, that means you're an ambassador of Christ there. If you are with your kids, you're an ambassador of Christ there. In everything you do, you are representing, representing Christ. So that means christ is in your work that means christ is in your home christ is at the brewery that you're sitting with your friend christ is there we are his workmanship we are on his mission We're people who can't stop talking about jesus we're saved by grace through faith and we want to share what god has done in us with others but the question is how 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 do we engage the culture Without our vision at the heart of this conversation, without our vision at the heart of, of this mission statement, there's two errors that we can fall into. There's two gutters that we can lean into without our vision statement. Without our, uh, In other words, if we don't look at the cross and what Jesus has done for us, we can quickly, very quickly, slide into the, either side of these gutters. So, one side of this, there's a mentality it's a withdraw mentality. It says that it's not the job of Christians to try to mend the world. We're simply here to just build up the church, evangelize, and make disciples. It's more something like monk mentality. Like if you study church history, monks did this. And so it's a withdraw from the culture. Culture is evil and bad. And we're going to just move away and live with Christians. And and so then people can come see us, might speak to them a little bit, and tell them to get to join us, right? Don't do anything that the culture throws at you. It's evil. And we just need to huddle with other Christian friends and live away from the culture and get others to join us from the culture, right? So that's the side. That's the gutter that that we can slide to. The other side, there's the ones who dive into the culture. They will say culture is great. There's nothing wrong with the culture itself. So they will engage with things God calls sin, justifying their behavior and saying, man, I'm just, I'm doing this, but, but, but you know what? Maybe I'll share the gospel in the process of this. But sharing the gospel rarely happens in those kind of circles. It's more you're participating in what God calls sin and you might be justifying in this, in this kind of gutter and saying, I have freedom in Christ. And so let me give you an example to kind of, that, that kind of sinks home, showing both of these gutters. Tim Keller explains it this way in his book, Center Church. He says, Think of a computer. Think of a computer. A person who's against the culture would simply not use the computer, he would say, It's evil. And he would try to get others to join him in declaring that the computer is evil and avoid all computers. While a person who dives into the culture would fully adopt the computer, assuring that it's something God has brought about. I can evangelize through the computer. The computer will save people. And I'll spend all my time and energy on the computer. Do you see both extremes are not helpful? The computer is not evil. And the computer will not save people. Paul in Galatians addresses one of these errors. And he says in Galatians 3.3, he says, Are you so foolish after beginning with the Spirit? Are you, in you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? What well, Paul is saying confronts this idea that, that I would draw from culture to keep myself pure and holy. That I maintain my own righteousness. Do you, do you see how that's just human effort? God is the one who saves us, and he's the one who sustains us. And then Paul, in Romans, addresses the other side of this error. He says, in Romans 6.15, he says, What then? Shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace? By no means. So here he confronts the other error, right? He confronts the other side, uh, error, right? You don't dive into sin because you're under grace. He says, by no means. The answer is not to trust your own effort or dive into sin. So what's the answer then? It's the gospel. The answer is the gospel. It says we're saved by grace through faith. We're not saved by our own effort and power but at the same time, once we're saved, it changes us and transforms us. This means that seeing sin as sin, repenting and experiencing joy from that, from a From that place then you are a messenger of reconciliation but if you live in one of those extremes and you try to engage the culture you will misrepresent who God is you will misrepresent who God is you'll either make him to be this wide bearded rule keeper or Jesus as my homeboy you're going to do that both of these extremes are not Healthy. So where does that place us? How do we engage the culture while keeping the gospel in mind? Uh, Joe Thorne is a pastor who's who was helpful to look at this conversation, and he gives us three components to engage. He he identifies three healthy ways to engage the culture while keeping true to the gospel. And so he says, because of the gospel, receive what is good. Because of the gospel, reject what is evil. Because of the gospel, redeem what is broken and lost. So, so let's walk through those three things. So as we, as a church, we're going to engage the culture. These are some healthy ways we can engage the, the culture. So, because of the gospel, receive what is good. It's seeing that God is at work. We all know this. We know that God is at work. God is at work in the world outside of this building. God is at work in our city with using all kinds of people. The world is filled with the glory of God. He's at work through all kinds of people. people's work. Uh, Martin Luther, a 15th century theologian said, When you pray, give us this, give us this day our daily bread. Instead of God just having the bread appear on your table what he's actually doing is he's working through the baker, the merchant, the people who transform the flour and sell it to you as bread. In other words, what God does is he answers your requests by giving you food through the work of other people. And at one point, Luther said that of the jobs people do, these are the masks of God behind which he does all things. So God works through them. He has given them gifts, and of, gifts of wisdom and of skill and of beauty and of excellence. And, and we should be able to look around and see God working through all kinds of people. Artists and bakers and garbage men and construction workers and teachers, business people, architects, and that list goes on and on and on and on. And through their work, human life is made better. And that's a gift of God. And so when when we look out there, we we see a whole culture, a whole world aflamed with the grace of God. And the gospel teaches us to enjoy God's gifts, wherever they are, and to humbly unite with other people for the common good. So let me apply it a little bit. So if you see someone, somebody helping the poor, helping them in whatever way, Praise that dude or that gal. Say, thanks, that was so awesome that you just gave, you bought a meal. Give them praise. Or what's even better, join them. Join them. Saying wow, that dude just, just helped them. So that's a good thing. I can affirm that. Whether they're a believer or not, that's just a great thing. You gave somebody some food to eat. So then you either say, that that was awesome. Or you join them somehow. Go enjoy the craft, the food, the art of the people who are not Christians, but who are made in the image of a creative God. Join in that. When you hear there's an art show in town, go look at the art show. When you hear that our music department at UNC is doing a show, go, go listen to them. Whether they're believers or not, go enjoy the creative gifts. affirm these things and as christians we don't reject the culture we peer behind the mask and see god so we receive the good that god is doing through the culture so because of the gospel we receive what is good so the second thing is that because of the gospel now we reject what is evil the gospel gives you courage and insight to humbly and respectfully confront the culture not everything that the culture does is good I was just referring to the good things just a second ago. But also, there's things in our culture that are evil. And the gospel gives us the ability to confront it. The things we make and say and do are either done for the God's glory or done for something else. And we talked about this in our, in our mission statement of worshiping God, right? Like We, we talked about that the worship gets distorted and it, be, and it does get distorted because of sin. And our worship turns inward on ourselves and misplaced worship leads to all kinds of evil, destructive behavior, injustice, and oppression. And the gospel gives us the courage and insight to tell the world that 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 is not the way it should work or act or speak that's not shaped by the character of God. And so you come to this place knowing that you're a sinner saved by grace. You know that you're completely sinful yet completely loved and therefore not only should that humble us in the way we approach culture but it should give us courage to say, i got to change. Because that, that has a bend towards injustice and discrimination. That's not God's design. And, and as I'm describing this, there are plenty of places that we, our minds are starting to connect, right? There are ple- plenty of places of, of, in our culture that you're like, man, that's, that's discrimination. Mm-hmm. That's not right. That's not how it should be. And the reason you feel that is because of the gospel. So as you speak, if you speak against some of that, if you speak against the evil, you move in line, you're joining in God's design in light of all this. So we reject, we receive what is good, and then we courageously reject what is evil. And, and again, I didn't go to specific, specifics of how that, that is applied, but we can, I mean, just if you are curious, just catch me later. Let's grab a cup of coffee and I'll explain the ins and outs of that, right? I would love to. This is, this is a fun conversation for me. But, but, if, but just, you're getting the principle of this. And then the lastly, the last one is because of the gospel, redeem what is broken and lost. It's, it, this this one means that you're joining God in his plan to redeem what is broken, and then you're, you're, you are broken is in the, is a direct application of the gospel to the culture which we live in. So let's think about Acts 17, right? Paul got to know the culture as he walks through the city. He read things. He remembers poems and poets. He saw the people were religious, religiously worshiping idols, and his spirit is provoked And so what does he do to that? What does he do to that? He engages the culture with the truth. He's joining God's plan to redeem what is broken and lost. He uses the things he knew of the culture to the benefit of pointing them to the truth of God. So so what's going on? He engages with what is good. He rejects what is evil by applying the gospel and then joining God in his plan to redeem what is broken. And Paul says, you worship an unknown God? I saw an inscription. Let me tell you about this God. He's not unknown. He is noble. Uh, And he made the world and everything you see. He doesn't live in, in some temple or altar. He doesn't need us. He's the one who made us. He gave us breath. And he's the one who determines that you should live in this city. And he's the one who determines that, that you would be seeking God, but instead you're worshiping things that you made out of gold, silver, and stone. So you see that we have to get to this point of engagement of our culture, that we're that we're wounded by all these idols, so we'll be able to speak the truth. And to know, we need to even before we even understand, we need to know what the idols are. What are the the evil things in our city that are happening? We need to know that before we can speak to it or know how to reject it. And that conversation, that conversation doesn't happen in your first conversation with somebody in our city. That happens after you get to know, first you get to know the idols And also, you build a relationship with these people who are worshiping those idols. And so, you are in Greeley for a reason. Because God is at work in Greeley. He's at work in your work. He's at work in your neighborhood. He's at work in your marriage. He's at work in your heart. And we don't redeem anything, but God does in and through Christ who's at work in us. God is the one who saves people By his grace, and we are his workmanship. He says that in in Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. He spells this out for us. He says, by grace you have been saved through faith, but this is not your own doing. It's a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So God is the one who saves us by grace through faith and we are his workmanship created for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So we can engage the culture in a way that flows from the truth and power of the gospel. This truth of the gospel produced a humility in us because we know we're sinners who are constantly in need of Jesus daily and a boldness that only comes to us because we're completely affirmed by God because we are his children. So we join him as he continues to redeem things to himself. So maybe, maybe you're sitting here and you're thinking and you're, you're going, man, that's a, that's a lot going on. Maybe you're thinking, I have engaged the culture. You know, as you're talking about the city and things that are happening, I go to breweries here. I go to coffee shops and concerts. I talk to people. But the question is, to what purpose? To what purpose? Why do you do what you do? Why do you go to those places that you go? Is there, is there any intentionality? Are you praying before you go to those places? Are you saying, God, I, 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 want, I want you to stir a conversation today. I'm longing to talk to someone about this love that's inside of me. But without you, I, I can't make this happen. When you get God's mission to redeem all things to himself, you start to live differently. You love others because God first loved you. You serve selflessly because Christ gave himself up for you. And we speak the gospel because we see its work in our lives. We believe that God is still at work transforming, transforming us into his image of his son, right? But here's an, an area that I do want to address really quick. What happens... When we are just not motivated to love, serve, or speak the gospel to the people. What happens? That's a real question. What happens when we know that we're children of God? We know that God saved us. We hear the gospel week in, week out. But what what happens when we're just not motivated? We aren't motivated to love, serve, and speak the gospel to the people in our city. The answer is not just do it. That's not the answer. The answers to examine your heart. The gospel flows out of us when we're when we have hearts that have been transformed by the gospel. So examine your heart. Repent of sin. Discern where your unbelief. It's short-circuiting the natural outflow movement of the gospel. See what's going on in your heart. Why, why don't you want to share the gospel with your neighbor? What's going on here? Is it fear? God, remove that fear. Because if you can identify what's going on in your heart, you can actually ask God to change that. So as you examine your heart, you'll be able to go, oh, that's where the gospel disconnect is happening. And God can renew your heart, and so then you start to move into engaging others. you see to engage the culture in a redemptive way you saturate yourself so much in what Jesus has done for you that it becomes a natural outflow of your heart because Christ lives in you we talk about this weekend he's with you and you're not trying to in the moment where you're trying to share the gospel with somebody you don't become someone else in that moment no you're still you and so it should come out of you as a natural outflow of what God has done to your heart. Because Christ is your identity. And then you, you go and join his mission. You, you want to share not out of duty, but because it comes out of the gospel-changed heart. Because you have been reconciled to God and entrusted with the message of reconciliation because you are an ambassador of Jesus. Jesus. And when you join God's redemptive purposes, you're joining a plan that he has already set in motion. And he said that plan before the foundation of this earth. Before you were ever born, he had a plan that was in store for that. And God gave you, before you were even born, God gave you specific talents and gifts and specific upbringing. So like, the reason I'm Russian is is God knew that. It was not a surprise to him. And he gave you specific life experiences because he will use those gifts, talents, and experiences to extend his kingdom. So may we be a church. May we be a church who rests in the gospel. May we be a church who, who, who just saturates ourselves in the gospel so much that when God gives us a chance to proclaim the truth of who he is, it will come out of us naturally. That's right. Just naturally outflow of who we are. May we be a people who receive what is good. As we interact with people in our city, we love people well. May we be a people who, when we see evil in our city, we reject it and speak against it. May we be a people who ultimately can join God as he redeems everything to himself. Yeah, let me pray for us.